0: From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, this year's Autosport Top 50 Drivers List is the 21st edition since we began in 2002, and frankly, it's grown into a bit of a beast these days. As always, we have the usual tough task of selecting the best performers across everything from Formula One to World Rally Championship, Formula E, sports car, GT racing, touring cars, and many more as well. This list appears in the, frankly, bumper 140-page special edition of the Autosport magazine on the 22nd of December and also online at autosport.com. And this podcast will delve into how we put the list together, uh, the controversial decision, something that always stirs debate amongst the fans online, uh, the drivers, the teams. Yes, we do get feedback every year um, and even within the autosport team itself, even the people that put this list together don't agree on the list. So let's find out why? And uh, I'll start with the host of this podcast. This time last year, our long-suffering chief editor Kevin Turner, uh, my first guest. Welcome back to the podcast. You get to be uh, not doing my job this year on the podcast. You just get to, to throw bombs in and then run away if you want to.
3: Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. That's a good point. No, it's much more. It's much more fun being the pundit. You have to be all organised and have a <laughs> have a list of things to work through and all, and, and corral everyone and get, yes. get them under control. Whereas that won't be I happening. Can, as you say, I can just say what the hell i like now
0: absolutely uh i i I mentioned that you are long suffering because this is the 21st time that we've done this and how many times have you worked on this list
3: Mm, all but the first five i think probably but obviously early days i was sort of the junior t-boy so i'd have probably been largely ignored or oh what club driver do you think national driver should be throwing that sort of thing and then it's grown over the years to be more and more a part of my december now you sign it off November yeah. and December you sign it off now sign it off. Well, that makes it sound like I get I don't I don't sort of do a veto. I don't think I've ever done a veto. I have go no. Nope. So we really we always have a, No, I don't think I've ever done that. I think we always have a. There's usually a core of say three or four people sort of at the end of the process because obviously we get constant. You have to make a decision eventually. Yeah. Otherwise, you just get, each correspondent just wants to argue their person in out shake it all about <laughs> up down whatever, and eventually someone has to go right. Well, we actually have to print this at some point. Right. Um, but it's not its not me that just does it. Um, no. Okay. Hopefully others can back me up on that, other, other people that have been part of the process.
0: My second guest today is your first appearance on this podcast is uh, Rallyman Tom Howard. And uh, so you are on today because there's a name very high up. And we'll get to it in, in, in a second from the world of Rally. But welcome to the first time we do this it uh, is is it your first time working on the top fifty list? No, no, it's the second time you've worked on the top fifty yeah,
2: list. Second time. It's actually quite a privilege to to work on this list. Obviously, it's something I've read as a as a child growing up and uh it's always cool to to be involved in it. And certainly this year, uh, you know, we've got some good names in there from the World of Rally. As you- a
3: child growing up. <laughs> yes. Oh, Christ <laughs> almighty.
0: Now I feel really old already. Specifically, you because you cover Rally, you cover a specific series. I guess you come to this with uh, you argue your case for why your series, as it were, and your drivers should be higher up than, well, somebody else's.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I suppose I'm the only sort of rally bod in the, in the organisation, so I have to sort of make sure I look after the guys there, I suppose. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I suppose, yeah, being the expert on the, on the rally for the for the magazine, it, it's important to, to give my points of view on who these guys are and how well they've been going because it's a series that perhaps doesn't get the eyeballs that uh, it probably deserves.
0: And uh, my final guest today is our List Supremo. Many people have looked after the Top 50 Drivers list over the years. It's uh, an honour, a privilege... And uh, probably a headache, I imagine, as well. James Newbold, welcome to the podcast. We were sharing stories earlier of our toddlers because mine's about a year older than yours and has currently got chicken pox, and yours just started uh, at nursery. So we we're doing Dad Chat earlier.
4: Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's actually a privilege to be in the office doing this in person. I because, know. Normally it's um, remote
0: Dad Chat. Absolutely. We're yeah. in person Dad Chat.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. I did put the list together last year as well. I was not part of the podcast last year. Yeah, it's it's my second time putting the list together. It is very much though it, the same list supremo. I mean, I started the list, and then it then becomes its own beast as sort of I pitch in names that might fall through cracks of, of um, different places, and I create a long list of sort of fifty to seventy drivers, and have a have a first bash if you like at, at trying to put them in an order based on the different. Um, Mm. correspondent season reviews for all of our reviews from wrc to dtm which is the season the 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 series that i've been looking after this year to formula one and everything in between our correspondents will rank the the best drivers and and that's a really important point to to start off with frankly is that we go by the rankings that the correspondents put together themselves so for example on our list a champion in one of the very top Uh, u.s motorsport categories is is ranked below uh, a a teammate but that's because that is effectively what was handed down to us by the correspondent of that series in his own top 10 so we have to be consistent with um, our own season reviews and then we go from there really we we have a we have a go at trying to whittle down the list we try and spread the love a little bit but there's always that question of how do we prioritise what series above another, taking into account the level of prestige of the series, the, the amount of competition involved and in some cases maybe other aspects which are harder to pin down like the amount of sort of technical input that drivers have to have if it's a, a series where development is allowed and, and the difference that that can make as well. So there's lots of factors that will come into play, there's lots of <clears throat> shuffling around as as people go up and down the list we come down to a final top 50 which nobody is happy with but it's uh, <laughs> it's, our, it's our best crack at what is ultimately meant to be a bit of fun to to try and put together a list that that, that highlights achievements of, of the the top drivers in, in our view.
0: So yeah, this is not scientific. This is not we we have this is not solely data related if you're listening to this and and thinking I would have put that, you know, that person number 32 and not number 33. This is our best effort at the end of the year to Go back over the last year, and that's important to mention that it is over the last year, so there'll be some people who've had fabulous careers, but a bad year. And hopefully on this podcast, we can reveal the secrets, explain our thinking behind how we put this together, what does what do you want this list to do and not do as well? Because as we put the fit, top fifty to, together and we base it on a on a calendar year, Kev, when you come to this, what what do you want the top fifty to be like at the end of the year?
3: Well, first of all, I say we take the process seriously, but the end result should be a bit of fun. I think to, to carry on from what from what James was saying, and I, this isn't you know th- we do t- take it very seriously when we're doing it, uh, and it's yeah I think it's key to say that it is this season. So this is not a list of. The 50 best drivers who are active at the moment—that's a—that's a different thing, um, and that's something we try and, and emphasize. Um, so yeah, it's trying to get. Obviously, you want to get a mix of categories. So effectively, you have hierarchies within those championships, which, are, as James has said, normally based on the top tens of the correspondents because they're, you know, they're on the ground, they know what's going on, they've got the insights. Um, so that's the start point. Obviously, you move people around if they've done more than one category. It's yep. the sort of what I like to call the Sebastian Buemi criteria, and he gets moved up or down depending on his WEC versus Formula E uh, mm-hmm. things. Uh, but then also, of course, you have to have a hierarchy of the championships. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know the obvious ones is like, right, Well, F1 would take as a pinnacle of the sport, but how how good a season has it been? How good a season is everything? Because it changes over time. Yeah, you know, the, the overall order is usually pretty similar. Um, but some championships have strong years and, 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 and some have weaker. Um, You'd expect,
4: for example, that next year, drivers in the World Insurance Championships, hypercar class will be a lot higher up the list.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, suddenly we're going to have many more teams and professional drivers in, in well, both WEC and IMSA. Um, uh, so yeah absolutely I think sports car drivers and, and and sports car drivers were very high a few years back when we had you know the really quick you know super LMP1 cars mm. and we had Audi Porsche and Toyota at it they, they were higher now it's not it's not been quite so strong so they, they dropped down so we try and factor in in that sort of thing as well, but we're trying yeah. to be fair. I think is probably the point.
0: Uh, something I've wondered: when you look back over those those twenty lists, twenty one lists now, how how good a job do you think we've done at creating a snapshot in time of motorsport in that year? Have we have we largely got it right? Do you think?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm biased. <laughs> having haven't said that I was involved in a lot of them. But, um, yeah, I did it last year because, obviously, it was it was the 20th. So, I, you know, I went back and I added up all the scores of every single driver that appeared Why? in it. Well, you know, it seemed like a fun thing to do over Christmas, right? Um, so, was it just before? But, anyway, yeah. So, um, and and the, if you do that, you come up with a list of drivers that I think most people would agree, yeah. I mean, okay, you're going to argue about the exact order, yeah. but the list of drivers was the ones that you'd say, yeah, they've probably been the standout drivers internationally for the last 20 years. I think towards the back end of the list, the second half of the list, is also about trying to give drivers and championships that maybe aren't so obvious a little bit of a spotlight and just say, look, we haven't forgotten about this uh, this this person deserves deserves a mention. There'll be a couple of those on this list this year. Mm. So it's it's getting them. It's get, I guess it's doing two things. Well, one is it's trying to absolutely assess the top drivers in each year that snapshot. And the other snapshot is oh, and here's some other highlights that you that you don't want to miss. Yeah,
0: and it's one of the things. Before I started working here as an autosport reader, I always felt that when you read that list, I had a I always thought I had a bit of a good oversight of. You know, if you read Autosport magazine every week you think well I know I know motorsport yeah, but you're always there's always names in there you're like huh who
3: are they <laughs> Look, <we laughs> I don't have, know who they were there have been certain <laughs> members of <laughs> staff during the process who have gone who's that <laughs> and they they got <laughs> an that? they got an official warning but they weren't <laughs> sacked funny. but yeah, they did to do it again uh but yeah so that's why you need you that's do nice. need you need some people who've got an overview and obviously I'm receiving the magazine, I'm receiving copies from all the championships. Yes, uh, James has a very good overview. Tom's enthusiastic enough that he's, yeah, he's interested in lots of series. Uh, the F1 guys, perhaps not so much because they're on the F1 beat all the time, so they don't know as much outside of F1. So you try and dip into the areas of deep expertise that you've got. You know, Gary Watkins as well, we rely on him heavily with the sports car ones because you can look at stint averages, for example, but you yeah. don't necessarily know who's running on the old tyres, who's looking after them, who's on the new ones, what they've been told to do, etc. So yeah. you really need the people on the ground, but then it requires... It requires people like us as well to have a bit of an overview and go, yeah, but let's not get too carried away with that championship. You know, we've got to slot him in somewhere. So yeah, it's, it's it's quite a it's quite an involved process.
4: There is one driver that that I know, Kev, is, is not particularly happy about how high we, we placed him on the list, but we gradually wore him down, didn't we, Tom? Absolutely, yeah. We'll,
2: we'll come to that, and uh, no uh, no doubt. But uh, there's definitely enough evidence to to back up that decision. I think
0: we will talk about some of the new entries, some of the drivers we've lost, including a uh, top ten name last year who's nowhere to be seen in 2022 and it's not as if we're going to make you wait to the end of the podcast we're not, we're not going to count down the list so we'll might as well give you the top five right now it's a it's an f1 heavy list as you may expect and number five was george russell number four was lewis hamilton number three Callie rovin pera number two charles clare number one max verstappen let's start with talking about number one in previous years, Lewis has been number one. It's been a no-brainer. Uh, there's been very few people arguing against. Although this this list isn't really about arguing drivers out, you should be arguing in your, your the ser- your drivers from your your series. Uh, but James Max vi- Max being number one. Any any sort of contentious
4: arguments there? I don't think there is really. I mean the the records that he's achieved this year. You can't really argue with that. Obviously, we're going by what the Formula One guys have decided. So. In some respects, that's out of our hands because we're not going to you know, swap the order around and go, no, we think that <laughs> Guan Yu Zhou should be number one. I'll tell you what, though,
3: that did happen in the early days of the oh, list. If you really? go back, there was less coherence between the uh, contributor top 10s and the top 50. But Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I was yeah looking at uh, In 2005, we really hedged our bets. We had, uh, I think, uh, let me get this right, I think the F1 review had Alonso number one. Raikkonen was number one in the, in the sort of top 50 of the F1 drivers, but the overall number one was Sebastian Loeb, so they were really hedging really their bets that year. <laughs> just in case we missed someone.
0: And we do, we do look down those lists of drivers through the field, so it's not a case of just picking out, well, who got the most points. You know, back in 2018, we put Charles Leclerc in the top 10, and that certainly wasn't based on where he finished the championship, but we could see that, that promise and that he'd had a great year.
4: I mean, Daniel Ricciardo has topped the list twice. Robert Kubica has topped the list as well. So it's not necessarily always about who wins the championship is the automatic number one pick. But this year, the weight of evidence does support, I think, a uh, Max Verstappen at number one. He was yeah. he was very close last year. It must be said. It it did go pretty much open until the last two um, weekends of the year, where mm-hmm. um, our our poor correspondent we, we we weren't sort of able to commit to. Um, giving him a word count of who was going to be number one and, and, and number two.
3: But but in this so in this podcast last year we yeah. had a very you know extensive debate about the Lewis Hamilton versus Max Verstappen thing because last year like they were so close and I think I made the point that when you've got two drivers who are you know so close both in terms of results and I think their overall level of performance, <coughs> the way we basically differentiated it in the end was the wheel to wheel stuff and the fact that Max had overstepped the mark yeah. on more occasions. Um, so Lewis just edged it, whereas in previous years it'd been more obvious. Whereas this year, okay, so you know Max had that slightly dubious thing with mixture accuracy at Silverstone, but that wasn't a crash, and mm-hmm. then he obviously switched the magnets back on into Lagos. But that was that was one one race. The rest of the time he's raced fairly. He's been, you know, he smashed the record in a car that I don't think was as dominant as he made it look. He's pretty much, yeah, you know, he is pretty much the complete package. You've, we're now into a situation where he, he, we're going to be talking about him entering the kind of overall greats of the sport the only question mark i think we've got i've got in my mind now is can he actually ever get his head around racing lewis hamilton i don't know whether that's a mental block because we know that he can race and we've now seen it enough against other drivers uh, and he still needs a wet weather virtuosity drive on the list because japan was curtailed through no fault of his uh, and obviously brazil 2016 which is the one everyone remembers people seem to forget that lewis had that one covered as well and max knew it in the post-race interviews as well mm. so we're waiting for the Verstappen 2008 British Grand Prix moment or the Esther in 85 or whatever Um, but he's you know he's ticking off a lot of the boxes at the moment I think it was a no-brainer to have him number one this year to be honest. Yeah. You'd also have to say like what else could he have done
2: more for us to justify number one I mean he really literally did as you could, other than win every race in the championship, <laughs> yeah. like what
3: else can he do
2: uh, uh, um, he has to go number
3: one yeah I mean there were there were a couple of errors obviously there's a spin in Hungary the off in Spain yeah. but in a 22 race calendar I think the likelihood of getting a, you know, a in a competitive championship getting through an entire season without making some sort of error mm. it's almost impossible so um, yeah he wouldn't really hold that, hold that yeah. against him and when you
4: compare it to the significant points costing mistake that, that Leclerc made in the French Grand Prix also you have to say that you know that that will that will count against him i mean there there will be people that will think well you know leclerc's end of season performances relative to verstappen mean that well maybe he should be lower in our list but we do have to take into account the whole year and at the start of the year and his qualifying record um, shouldn't be underplayed, I think, and I think that that was what gave him the the edge over over Cali Pereira in the fight for for second. Um, Tom can obviously weigh in on on the Pereira debate because he he's he smashed records of the youngest champion and and, and so forth, and, and looks set for a really prosperous career. Cali, well,
0: but well, should we talk about that, Cali mm. Pereira Should he have been second where Charles Leclerc was? Because Charles Leclerc has made mistakes this year, which which cost him places. Whereas where over the course of the season where Cali didn't score big points, it wasn't always his fault, although he is on the on the ragged edge and you could argue, well, you know, you make your
2: own luck, so it was his fault because he he didn't drive within himself. He didn't need to push that hard. There is a case for him to go to P two, but I would actually say you mustn't forget Cali did make some quite big errors too. Like there was the big crash in Belgium where he rolled there was a crash in Greece where you could actually argue he was starting to sort of come under a bit of pressure from Tanak in the championship race and was starting to maybe buckle a little bit. So but would you say it was, it was uh, uh, perhaps
0: exceptional and penalised because it was, if you look at Rally Safari where he pulls oh, out yeah. just like another worldly performance?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's no question about he deserves, he definitely deserves to be in P3. I think P2 is probably just pushing it a little bit too much because he won the title with two rounds to spare. So, like, you could. The last two rounds, he was just really. You could tell he wasn't really there, if you know what I mean. He wasn't really his normal self. So, mm. if you're looking at it as a whole season, like, he wasn't superb all the way through. doesn't need to be. But he doesn't need to be. He, he did be. smash. He's won. He smashed. Exactly. That's the thing. So, he's had the luxury of. He could just do that. That's how good he's been. But also, he
0: could have won as you and I talked about on the on the Rally Review podcast, he could have won it several times before he did. I think tw- yeah. I
2: think there was two rallies where he could have won. But, but that's where he had the two crashes, with the so, two rallies right. where he could have wrapped up the title. So that's where he had his two errors, where he, which is why I'm suggesting maybe it got a little bit too much for him. But mm. we know what he can do in the six wins and the 70-stage wins just goes to show that at his age, he shouldn't be doing that, but he is.
3: I, I think there are two reasons why I would have Leclerc, Kedervo, I agree with all of that. But one is that Rovin Perrett, didn't have to deal with Sebastian Vettel and Loeb on a regular basis. Like there was the, I think Tom wrote a piece like who will, who, who's the next one, like who's the heir to the throne, because it had been left vacant. He hasn't done a Max Verstappen and come along and taken it off the incumbent. The Incumbents have gone, so. Uh, obviously he's, you know, he is mega, I'm not, not suggesting he isn't, but thats is that, that he can't have that bonus point, if you like. And the other one is, yeah, we talked about Leclerc's French Grand Prix, but that's not the reason why he lost the World Championship. The reason he lost the World Championship was because of strate- strategy errors by Ferrari and unreliability. And I also think, and Carlos Sainz hinted at this at the end of the year, he was in early stages of the season, he was bowled over by how Leclerc could hang on to that car. Like, I think that was a fast car at the start mm. of the year, but I don't think it was an easy car. Watching the clerk, it's difficult to see it with modern F1 cars because they are on rails in a way that previous eras weren't, but you can see it with the clerk, you can see the body language, he's hanging on to it, and ultimately he came unstuck at the French Grand Prix by over, it was too much, but he's just great to watch on a qualifying lap, I think he got absolutely the most out of a car that ultimately wasn't good enough to win the World Championship. Yeah. Fourteenth place, Carlos Sainz. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll add in. Where
0: did the other rally drivers rank then, Tom? So, uh, Cali Robin Pera was third. But how does that compare with the other drivers in the series that you were
2: covering this year? Tanak is the next place one him in, in P16. He was Cali Robin was what you'd call title rival, if you could use those words. I mean, he he was the only sort of one who could really push Cali. Uh, as close as possible but realistically there wasn't really a title fight because Kali had sort of signed it up mid-year so um, Tanak was superb definitely deserves that that spot him, in my eyes the reason why he deserves that spot is his performance in Finland against Robin Pera on home soil where he absolutely destroyed him in a car that really was not shouldn't have be been able to do that. It, was, it mm. was wild. He needed to tame it. It was all over the place. He looked like he was going to crash all the time but he actually <laughs> got through and actually destroyed the opposition. So yeah, um, the other rally drivers obviously um, Sebastian Loeb who is a former list topper as we've already said. He's back in the list. P25. He's had a great year. Um, obviously won Monte Carlo Rally. 80th career. WRC win. The oldest driver to win a WRC event at 48 years old. Uh, aside of that, he also was second in Dakar also was in, in successful in Extreme E yep. and in the World Rally Rage Championship so he was a busy man at 48 and, and uh, race champions and race <laughs> it's too. just amazing so, but he's just such a cool character and you know he just still has it at 48 it's incredible to watch
0: so even though he didn't do a full year in a certain series when we put this list together you're taking that into account like, yeah, okay, I so think he did pretty he...
3: much do full rally raid. I think yeah, um, he did I full rally raids, so, yeah, and and extreme. And extreme a. A. I mean, obviously they're shorter yeah. calendars, but I mean that's but that's a great example of someone who climbs up the list in the top fifty. Yeah, but, you know, Tom couldn't put in that high in his top ten because he didn't do that many of the rounds. Yeah, um, but in this we can bump him up a bit because he did all this. I mean, I think he's oh, he's just such a cool dude. He's isn't such it? a cool guy. Was... Like he's the
2: only guy I've seen in the paddock who's like smokes a cigarette, that jumps in a rally car and just does it. Well, the cool thing about the Monte Carlo rally win was. There was no setup changes on that car the entire rally. He just jumped in, drove it, won the rally. No changes. He's just a freak of nature. He really is. <laughs> back in okay.
4: the top twenty, back in the top fifty as well. For the first time since twenty thirteen, when he finished twelfth in the in our list. Really. So. Yeah, I mean, I had to go quite a quite a way back to to find it. I wasn't quite sure when his last appearance would be, but that was his his last World Championship win, wasn't it? Thirteen. I'm pretty
3: sure he's one of the highest uh, highest overall in the last twenty years as well. So mm. I think he's in the top you know top five or six. Mm. I think him and Scott Dixon are probably the two top non F1 drivers.
0: The other Seb Ogier, forty ninth, scraping into the top fifty. Let's go to the other end of the list then. Before we come on to a, a big F1 chat, is we go to the end of the list. There's fifty which means there's a 51st. So how much of your time is spent with that long list? I mean, how long is it? Is it 175? But how do you, do you want to even mention some of the names that just missed out if you have them to hand?
4: That's the thing. I mean, there is a big debate over some names you you put quite high up to start with in, in the preliminary list. And then the correspondent will go back and to you and say, I'm delighted that this person is so high, but why haven't you included the second and, and third right. pick from, from my list? So then you're faced with, the conundrum of do we include the second or third person or do we bump them down a bit so that the the requirement to have several drivers from, say, Super Formula isn't there. So Super Formula champion Tomoko Nijiri is is in at 21 on this list, um, up from 28 last year. So a really good year for for Nijiri. I mean, he he did win very comfortably that championship. And I think that was one of the the elements that, that made him such a clear bet f- for this list but then it also therefore makes the case for other drivers from 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 that world slightly more difficult on the flip side you could say well we've got shane van gisbergen in at number 10 and no other supercar drivers should we have included another supercar driver so that conversation was had we had the discussion over which um, Super Formula drivers should go into the list. So one of those that was mentioned was, was Sasha Fenestra who was second in Super Formula. Another was, was um, Rio Hirakawa who was third in Super Formula who also won the World Insurance Championship and in Le Mans this year with Toyota. What counted against Hirakawa was that he was ranked at n- number five of our prototype drivers mm. this year in, um, in Gary Watkins um, season review. So then we've got to consider, okay, do we then include the number four driver, who is Mathieu Vaxivier from from Alpine? Um, he's another who was you know extensively dis- discussed for this list. We've also got a bit of a gap on the on the IndyCar front, from uh, Scott McLaughlin in twenty eighth place, to then the rest of the list. There isn't an IndyCar driver. Should we have included another IndyCar driver? That the next one on our uh, on our correspondent David Moucher's list was was show award so he was another one that was at the last minute sort of right are we going to include him or not and it was it was a really heated debate wasn't it and Ah. and at some point you have to call time and say (laughs) we have to decide who is going to come out of this list in order to argue other people in it's difficult
3: i think the indycar one was the closest we've come to breaking our rule of not overruling the uh the correspondent because uh, and even reading the entries in in you know and you know and Dave's been there a long time he knows everyone he's you know he's very well connected in that palette but I, I am struggling quite a lot to see how Scott McLaughlin uh, is behind Alex Pelou on his list and even reading it unless you're giving kind of Pelou a bit of a, a buy because he was distracted by which team he was going to be driving for, but then he played an active role in all that confusion anyway, Mm. and McLaughlin has basically gone from racing tin tops to halfway around the world on ovals in single seaters, and he looks like he belongs there. Like, I think he's been... He's been incredible. Um, and I, I would... I, we were very close to swapping that round and then you could drop a little further down, James, f- further down the list for James and you'd spread him out all nicely. So, in the end, we put them together. We copped out, didn't we? And right. uh, we stopped them together, but in the order that, uh, that, that... So, what we need, really, is McLaughlin to have done, like, you know... the. Daytona in twenty four hours or something, or something else done well in, and that he could have, we could have just. Bumped. Perhaps he should come and do Bathurst. <laughs> come and do Bathurst. Yeah, Give Van it, and someone to race against, uh, and then he can. We can pop him ahead. So um, yeah, I'm sure Roger Pence can sort that out. Surely. Surely, if we did break that, we just have to call it the McLaughlin rule, and uh,
2: <laughs> well, that's the precedent, and then we just go ahead.
3: And... I know, but then where would it stop? Uh, the end of the wedge, wouldn't it? You get all yeah. <laughs>
2: But yeah, yeah, I fully agree with what you're saying. He deserves to be higher. To go from supercars and then to be a title contender—what was his second or third year in IndyCar? That's insane. No, that's that's such a good a good achievement from
3: him. And he's got proper teammates as well. I mean, so, yeah, Newgarden and Will Power are not uh, yeah not easy easy guys to race against. I mean,
4: when we talk about late additions to the list, one of those is, is Nick Tandy, who who came in. Um, in at P46, had a really good year with, with Corvette in the final year of the GTE um, Pro class in, in the World Endurance Championship. Um, he quite rightly pointed out that had Corvette not been sideswiped on the Mulsanne straight at the Le Mans 24 hours and possibly gone on to win that race, the championship horizon would have looked very different. We have Alessandro Pierguidi as the the top sort of sports car driver in a, in a P19 mm. if Gary Watkins were here now he'd say that special drivers produce special moments um, and dragging that car with a broken gearbox over the line to to score the requisite points to secure the, the final GT Pro Class title for Ferrari in Bahrain um, was a big factor in, in Gary ranking Greedy really that high but then we faced that discussion well if we're saying that the GTE Pro champion should go above the, the hypercar champion in our top 50, which um, we've got Brendan Hartley uh, in, as the highest placed Toyota driver in, in, in P22, then do we need another GTE Pro driver in that list? And as Tandy was number two in Gary's list of, of GTE drivers, he was one of those that made a, a last minute surge up the order. Mm.
3: Yeah, I think a couple of things there. I mean, I think. Uh, you know, Gary's argument would be like that. That's a very good point about the individual modes because also Pierre Gheerdy had that incredible spar drive, mm. didn't he, as well? And I think that you could probably, yeah, you know, there are just at the moment there are just as many pros in GTE as there are in in hypercar ish, yeah, uh, which obviously won't be the case moving forward. So that. Kind of, and I think you probably made more of a difference. I think those performances made more of a difference to the result than any one drive from any of the you know, the Toyota or Alpine or Glickenhaus drivers. Um, and I think Nick gets there as well as for the Monza drive. Like I think it completely caught the opposition off the hop that he was able to maintain that pace and then not have to do a splash and dash at the end. Mm. I think the rest of the team is like, when, when's he come? Oh, the race is finished. <laughs> and it was a really clever completely through a, a googly yeah. to the opposition and, and that was a standout moment as well. So that's what gets those those two guys in there.
0: And I guess putting the list together, there is a consideration of what you're talking about, which is the special moments which catch everyone's attention and often wider than the followers of that particular series, versus consistency over someone that can just go through a season, put in a load of great performances, sometimes fly under the radar
4: a little bit, and I guess you have to try and balance that out. One of those guys that, that you could say is a, a flying under the radar character who who really took me by surprise, actually, this year, was Lucas Auer. So it's his first time in the top 50. He's, he's only in at number 48, so mm. kind of sneaks in there, finishing second in, in DTM. But had he not had a puncture at Spa while he was running second, he would have won the title. And that's that's an 18-point, you know, loss. I think he lost the championship by eleven. Um, so, th- those are also things that we can consider. Mm. Of you know, a close runner-up in, in in DTM, he had the most number of points in the second half of this season, comfortably. Even with that um, that that puncture-induced DNF, so you can argue, you know, how worthy is is DTM of a of a spot on on the list. Um, or, or having two drivers on the list because we've got our, our champion Sheldon van der Linde in at, at number 37. Should DTM be prized higher? Should it be lower? Should it be, you know, deemed on a, on a par with supercars? And I guess Shane Van Gisbergen is there at number 10 because of the absolutely dominant nature of, of his title win this year. You know, winning over sort of 60% of the races and a WRC 2 podium in New Zealand. I mean, Tom can kind of talk about Shane a bit more as he's covered him extensively in, in supercars before. But it, it's that tricky element of within each individual series as well. How do you how do you weigh up sort of a, a champion, say, of, of of Super GT, who maybe didn't make our list, versus coming second in DTM, where there's sort of 18 drivers that on any given day could could take pole position. Um, mm. And and it's and in DTM this year it it, it is a, a one driver per car championship so it really is the, the spotlight on that particular driver as opposed to a communal effort say in, in something like Super GT where um, in, in the past we've had Super GT drivers on on our list as well.
0: Mm. Autosport was just going to favour single-seaters, because that's what everyone's watching?
3: No, because I don't think they are. I think everyone's watching Formula 1. I don't think anyone's watching F2 or F3, for example. <laughs> no, no oh, but, that's brutal. But seriously, <laughs> that, that, it, you can't just lump them all together. Like, single-seaters covers everything from F1 down to, you know, F 3 Formula Regional, all the rest of it. So 750
4: but, Motor Club, Seven
3: fifty. Well, yeah, I mean, a Formula V. I don't think a Formula V driver <laughs> has ever made the list. Uh, not much to Ben Anderson's uh, upset. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, that just feeds into... Uh, where the hierarchy of the championships are yep. so uh, and also you can tell in F2 how if someone how mega they are do they nail it in the first year Charles Leclerc George Russell Lando Norris yep. yes yep. or does it take them three or four years to do it yes so you know Drunk, which is a great great champion he's you know, got, the, got the job done pretty pretty comfortably in the end like everyone seemed to be fighting behind him mm. uh, but he is his third year so, you think, yeah, he deserves a shot, but he's not, oh my god, we've got to see him in an F1. He's not an Oscar Piastro here. go, this guy needs to be an F1 immediately. Yes. It's like, oh, it'd be quite good if he had a. It's just a slight emphasis. It's not sort of sl- slagging him off or anything. But no. I-, I think we sh- we've got. To- should we not do the Van Gisbergen chat now? Because right? he's come up about three or four times. So,
2: well, uh, I was just going to actually just back up and say that the F2 field wasn't that great, was yeah. it? Yeah. So, so. I think that's not a bad reflection on his season. And plus, going back to Martin's point where you say, oh, we only care about single seaters, we've got <laughs> Cali Robin Perry, who's had a sensational season in P3. Well argued. And if you look at the list over the past years, a rally driver, WRC, has always featured in the top five or top yeah. six. So, like, And that's a championship that maybe isn't quite as big as it used to be. So that's that's a that's a and, good point to to argue.
3: And, and next year, as as James has already pointed out, you know we will have more roofed drivers in the top twenty through LMDH and why we just roofed yeah drivers does that work I you know well, we <laughs> there were because instantly I mean if Nick Tandy isn't higher up in this top fifty next year I'll be disappointed you know, mm. he's driving a Penske Porsche you know, like come on there's going to be some big wins there I think so uh, yeah he'll move up the list and I'm sure there'll be you know a number of others. In the various prototypes that are going to be hard on the list. So it, it, your, your 50s, I think the 50s can be even hard next year, James, because we're going to have everyone that's basically on it now, plus 20 odd <laughs> pros from prototypes. And I
4: guess it depends on who, uh, who reaches the final stages of the NASCAR. Um, deciding race as well. We, we've not mentioned NASCAR at all yet, but um, much to Kev's delight. <laughs> but we, we've got two NASCAR drivers in the top twenty as well. With Joey Logano in in, in eleven, the, the driver who, who obviously won the title. We've got Ross Chastain in, in at number twenty for his first appearance as well. The and
0: Ross Chastain is the highest new entry. He is on our list. That's just recency bias, surely. And of course, it's <clears> not <throat>
4: down to you know his Martinsville wall ride. That's that's <laughs> that, you know ultimately that is what got him into the championship. Race, but as I stressed earlier, it is based on the whole season, and he you know won at very different tracks like um, Talladega and Kota. And so, um, but yes, on, on to Van Ginsburg. Let's and throw the Van Ginsburg
0: <laughs> and bomb into the conversation, then whose fault is that for arguing him so high?
2: I will take some of the blame, but it's also Andrew Van Leeuwen, <laughs> who is our supercars correspondent and a good friend of mine. But we both covered supercars, uh, well, he's covered it a lot more than I've, but I've done at least four or five seasons when I was out there working, so I've been. And around that paddock to know the talent of Van Gisburg. Uh For me, yeah, as James sort of he's absolutely smashed the the championship this year. Yes, the, the opposition wasn't as as strong as it was previously, but he's already obviously shown what he can do up against the likes of McLaughlin and Jamie Winkup up before. Um, so this is his third title. Uh, also won Bathurst, which is which to be honest with you, in Australia, Bathurst means more than a championship. Right. So that is the the big deal out there. So you win that. Everyone remembers you for Bathurst. They very rarely remember you for winning the championship. So for me, Van Giesman, the reason why he's so high for me is the fact that he's probably the most versatile driver I've ever come across. You, you frame him in anything, he will go well. And as, as we saw in the WRC, he made his debut, scored points, got a podium in WRC 2. I know the field isn't super strong and it was New Zealand, but that was his first proper rally event, only his fifth ever rally. And he's going in there and just showing people up that he really shouldn't be. Um, so that's the reason why I think he, he deserves this spot.
4: You can also come back to what we said earlier about Verstappen in that what more could he have done? I mean, he, he won 21 races out of 34 in supercars and, and 27 times on the podium. So that's just remarkable level of, of consistency where you could say, well, well, what more could he have possibly done? And of course, you know, supercars, they're not easy cars to drive by any means I mean they are you've actually had a passenger ride in one haven't you Tom?
2: yeah yeah they are real difficult beasts and I can tell you a reason why like for example when the the Europeans come over they really struggle so like mm-hmm. I was there when Maro Engel had his sole, sole season in the mm-hmm. championship and he struggled massively because they're just so different to anything else and that's why the Aussies and the Kiwis are so good at it is because they've just been brought up as sort of lab rats if you, you want to re- use that term mm-hmm. like Scott McLaughlin was a supercars lab rat he was basically put through the whole <laughs> process but that has benefited him massively because he can now jump into anything and absolutely monster it so Mm. that's why with Shaman Gisbergen you frame him in anything I guarantee you he will be he will go well like he's won in single seaters he's won in GTs he's won in supercars he they're talking about him going to NASCAR like I can see him going well there like it's (laughs) it genuinely yeah he's he's one of those guys that's an unearthed gem if you're in Europe I think okay
3: I mean, I don't disagree with anything that's that's just been said. Um, I've I've been a Van Gisbergen fan for for years, and actually, I like supercars as well. It's a shame that we don't have some more mighty meaty tin tops uh, in Europe. But yeah, my my kind of concern, if you like, and I think he was even higher at one stage. I
4: think he was, was he seventh or, sixth or seventh? He, he was eighth when eighth when the first it. the first draft so of the just list was put back
3: a little bit, just really on the basis that. Um, uh, I, you know, we're in the post-Wing Cup McLaughlin era, and if you suddenly <clears> took, <throat> let's say you took, you know, Hamilton, Leclerc and Russell out of Formula 1, and you go, well, of course, Max is going to win it all. So that's kind of the, the, my thinking, really. It's not really a criticism of him. I, I mean, used the phrase freak of nature, really. like Van Gisbergen is surely that. Like, he yeah. is quick in anything. I, mean, I
2: tell you a story, actually, at uh, 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 well, Bathurst one year, Alex Premer, who was his co-driver, he actually called him an alien like because he's like i've never seen anything like this before like he literally said on the tv he's an alien and i was like this is a great story and that's his teammate <laughs> yeah who's got all of yeah. the insight yeah. into his how he drives and- a former
4: teammate of lewis hamilton's of course, yeah, of course in, yeah. uh, in the junior formula
0: yeah. uh we should talk about uh, let's talk about some more contentious names or controversial names who wants to bring one up next who thinks someone's either too high or too low
3: I think there's a combination we need to address because people will go, why the hell is Lewis Hamilton ahead of George Russell when he got outscored? Russell did the win and he got outscored, Um, which is something I've even heard all sports staff members say. (laughs) So this is for them as well. So I think if you, I mean, I'm sure the F1 podcast that uh, that you've done, Martin, will, will cover has covered this as well, but. It's This is where the context and the insight comes in, right? So uh, Lewis out-qualified out George more often. Yep. I think in the races he usually had the better race pace. Yep. He was done over a few times by city things like safety cars. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you would have to go too far through the races um, to, to to find ones that would have swapped the point, point score rounds mm-hmm. quite easily, actually. Uh, Lewis is doing a lot of the crazy setup work early on in the year because he's got the experience, so it makes total sense for him to do that. This is not a criticism of George. George's done a fantastic job. It's not a surprise to anyone that's been following him on his way up. I think we knew he was going to be mega, and it's perfect you've got the established master and the, ne- and the next one along, really. Um, but I, I'm not, you know, people were writing Lewis off and saying stupid things very early on in the year, and I think he showed in the second half of the year. I think Austin and Mexico in particular were two standout drivers where he showed he was still on on top form and on Max's level so they're both very high deservedly so but for me Lewis is is still he's done more things at that team he's driven it along and the standout performances apart from Brazil which was a fantastic weekend for George no doubt about it uh, I think the standout moments have tended to come uh, from Lewis in the the races and that is the benefit of having people in all the paddocks who have that
0: inside knowledge that actually in the early part of the season Lewis was doing different setups, you know, from one session to the next, setting the car to its lowest possible ride height, and then the next session all the way up to its highest spot, just to work out, well, how on earth did we set this car up, right? But we we find that out in the paddock by talking to people and our contacts that that's not necessarily reported because... If you just look at it at the first half of the season, well, Lewis is getting bested by his teammates.
3: Uh, but that's also why we do so the top ten F one drivers list mm. doesn't always follow the top ten average ratings that the guys have scored them during the year because mm. you don't necessarily have all that information on the Sunday night or the Monday morning following a race. Yeah. You know, you find out more as the season progresses, you bring other factors in. Uh, and it can it can tweak things. Uh, I think they've both had remarkable seasons. I think it's absolutely incredible that the seven-time world champion is still motivated enough to put that in performance in and to help the team. He could just walk away. No one would really criticize him. Well, they would, but, I mean, they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. um, and he's hanging in there. And George, fantastic. First time he's had a front-running car. And he's going toe-to-toe with, you know, one of the sports legends. So, they're, you know, if i were Mercedes, I'd be pretty damn happy with my... With my driver lineup, up, I just need to have a bit of a chat about grand effects on the design, <laughs> which Toto's already yeah. said they've got a new, a new ethos for next year. I think we're relying on Mercedes to give us a, a championship fight, and I think George and Lewis, we both know, can get the job done.
0: And that's the thing with Formula One, is that because it's going through a, a purple patch at the moment, where it's a fantastic grid, if the cars were a little more equalised, it would be genuinely a toss-up each weekend, because... Uh, you know Alonso on the list is is 13th, which is I mean 12 places lower than Alonso would put Alonso. Drivers like that still putting in amazing performances. He's not he's not just making up the numbers.
3: Yeah, you, you're so you'll love this little go. So it recently it was the all Sport Awards and George Russell was there and picked up moment of the year for his win in in in, in Sao Paulo. Um, we just and we you know, were caught up. I hadn't spoken to him for ages because he was a young driver, winner and all the rest of it. Congratulations on the rest. And we got on to the Young Driver Award. And I said, oh, I'd be really cool if uh, yeah, we could get you, know, you Lando, Max, Lewis uh charles to come you know come and do the same thing our like equal cars couple of days he's like oh, i'll be so up for that that'd be brilliant let's do that i was like our oh, sponsors and teams probably wouldn't let us. Like, oh let's just not tell them and do it anyway i was like you know because they all these guys back themselves they've yep. got to think that in the equal kit they're going to go out there and do the business but i'll tell you what make the top 50 a lot easier wouldn't it right then chaps you're in our top five come to silverstone for a couple of days drive these cars whoever's quickest wins
4: in, a, in an LMP3 car for, for extra oh, well, unfamiliarity. I,
3: I think it would have to be something turned up to 11, wouldn't it? It would have to be something with uh, huge amounts of power and something completely outrageous that they've never driven before, which which would take a bit of thinking about. Uh, other new entries this year, I mentioned Felipe Dragovic in
0: 34th, P37, uh, Sheldon van der Linde, uh, Christopher Bell, NASCAR in P38, uh, who else? Louis Delatraz, 43. But who did we uh, see back on the lists? who we've previously missed well, mentioned Lewis Hamilton and George Russell in fourth and fifth, respectively, followed home in P6 by Stoffel van Dorn, back on the list, at a pretty high new entry after a fantastic year. So, again, highlighting those different series that we cover.
4: I mean, Formula E is, is a very high-quality grit. When you look at you know the, the top drivers in that championship, as Nick de Vries proved this year... Many of them would be well worthy of a chance at Formula One. We've not actually got Nick De Vries in our top 50 this year. He was ninth in the list last year, having um, won the title in Formula E. Um, had, a, had a somewhat disappointing season this year compared to his teammate Van Dorn in, in the final year for, for Mercedes in the Championship. So he, he dropped out of our correspondent Jake Boxall-Legs Um, Formula E top 10 drivers and so then you're faced with the decision of does his one off for Williams at Monza get him back into the list and on this consideration we we said that as as excellent as it was um, it is only one race
3: Mm. he got him an F1 drive what more does he want Uh, For next year, right. If he he performs well next year, he'll be in the the 50. But I do think that that picks up a good point, actually, on Formula E. Because not everyone's a fan of the All Electric Series. Yeah, we get that. And it's got some weird idiosyncrasies about it. But if you were doing a list of, right, which are the championships with the best drivers and the depth going all the way through the field, outside of F1, i I put this to to, to both Tom and James, I, I can't think of a championship at this moment, next year with IMSA and WEC maybe, but at the moment I can't think of a championship outside of Formula 1 that has got a better grid of drivers on it than Formula E had.
4: I mean, we do have six Formula E drivers on the list. We've got Mitch Evans in 12th place. He was the runner-up with Jaguar. Um, Eduardo Mortara is at number 15. Another very strong season with Venturi, um, which becomes uh, Maserati next year, which is something I think everyone's looking forward to. we are going to call it the 250E. That would be quite good, wouldn't it? (laughs) We've also got... um, Jean Eric Verne, who was Da Costa's teammate this year at the DS Cheetah team. Um, sorry, I said I said Da Costa's teammate, implying Antonio Felix de Costa is on the list. Um, he's at number uh, 41. He also won the World Endurance Championships LMP2 class for Jota. Um, we've also got. Uh, uh, so, sorry, Jean Eric Verne was, was 32 and in between. He and uh, Da Costa is Jake Dennis at 36. We've also got Sebastian Buemi, who, as Kev hinted earlier, kind of straddles the um, mm. uh, both Formula E and, and WEC. He's the WEC champion, won, um, won Le Mans this year. And so that gets him onto our list, rather than anything particularly that he did in, in Formula E.
0: And, you know, just to show that we're not afraid to take a driver who did well one year and base this list purely on this year's performance, the highest Dropout if you like Is Pierre Gasly Was 7th last year Not in the list This year uh, Who else is on that list Carl Larson Was 8th last year Nick DeVriesha mentioned uh, Elfin Evans was a 13th on our list last year. Yeah,
3: what happened to him this year? Like, he looked Not like he was becoming a world rally. And I think you wrote him <laughs> as one of the potential heirs to the thrones. And, okay, I know he got some second places, but what happened there? He just so he, wasn't at the races, was he? He looked a bit uh, silly, didn't he? Um, <laughs>
2: uh, no, uh, that's, I mean, with Elf in it, was, well, thing, it was just a simple case of new car, and he just couldn't quite gel with it, whereas the others seemed to adapt to it much quicker. And that was just, that was simply the story of his season, was just too slow to get to, up to grips with a new car. Uh, EA got four second places, but in, in three of those, Cali pair beat him, and that was when the rain came down, and you just don't touch anyone else, there in the wet, because he's just supreme. So yeah. he should have probably won the last rally, to, but he's gone the season winless, which is the first time since 2019. So he's just not had a good year, and that's why he's not in that mm.
4: You mentioned about Gasly dropping off the list. I mean, we've not just got our top 10 formula one drivers in there we have got a a couple of bonus extra ones in there as well so so our lowest placed formula one driver is kevin magnuson at at 45 um you could argue that a large part of of his inclusion is down to his pole in interlagos but actually on his return to formula one after a year out racing nimza um (laughs) you know very little comparison so kind of hitting the reset button um, he did put Mick Schumacher in the shade and, and was generally very impressive.
3: But also, we talk about moments that, that yeah, the moments that stand out during the year. And let's not forget also that in coming into F1, like remember the year that Haas had last year it was absolutely horrendous, mm. and it's really nice. it comes in, they get a, they get a proper driver in the car, bang, yeah. in right in the points, great great result in in Bahrain. Uh, and it was a feel-good moment. I, th- I think, don't think anyone would have begrudged half that result after what happened in 2021. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Kevin had a great start and a great great finish. I think he did have a little bit of a wobble at times in the middle, which is why he's, he's not higher. Whereas Pierre Gasly, he was fantastic in, I think, 2020 and 21, And this year, obviously, the, the AlphaTauri's been an awkward car. And he's not really... He's had a bad year. He's had some mistakes. Tsunoda's occasionally been quicker than him. But Tsunoda's had some silly things like crashing out the pit <clears> lane in <throat> Canada and all that sort of stuff. So they, I think, Alpha AlphaTauri, Gasly, if you like, is a victim of just an entire season of sort of, 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 of you know, sort of dire situation with the ATO three. I mean, yeah.
4: Gasly was fourth on our list in twenty twenty, and and it, it does show, you know, that people drop in and out and, and, and ping pong about. I mean, we've got um, <laughs> former <laughs>
0: former winner Daniel Ricciardo, of course, not on the list at all this year, and you you couldn't argue him on the list this year whatsoever so people do come and go
4: I mean in 50th spot this year we've got Mikel Ascona, who is the, the champion in the, the final season of the World Touring Car Cup now there were a lot of people that were advocating for, for Ascona to be booted out of, of the top 50 because um, over the course of the season, the the Lincoln Co team exited the championship in a in a in a, in a, in a blaze of, of Goodyear tyre shedded rubber at Vallelunga um, and, and with them went um, the, the two drivers that had been at that point of the season his closest rivals in uh, Santyarucci and two-time champion Jan Lasher, who's who's been on the list the last couple of years. Um, but if if I might throw kev under the bus you made a very strong case that, that as a world champion he should be he should be there
3: i think i made the i think i used the phrase the most nailed on 50th position <laughs> driver <laughs> in the top 50 we've ever had i just felt that i don't know maybe there's a little bit of emotion involved because you know the championship okay it's not it's, it's, it's perhaps never been the most popular but i think yeah the, the world touring car championship in various forms has had some really good drivers. and good racing some proper some proper moments and people in it um, and and he wasn't a, a sort of a, a marginal champion. he won it well he's so consistent it's very difficult to be consistent in that championship because of all the various ways and BOP and all that sort of stuff that comes into it and in fact was that, that was also behind the Lincoln Co going let's not mm-hmm. lay the, lay the uh, blame entirely on the rubber there I think there was other things going on behind the scenes and yeah Asconi was just he was just strong year, really impressive it's you know there's still decent grid of drivers on there and like I said at the, you know, earlier on you know highlighting things that you might that might have flown under the radar and I think probably WTCR is definitely something that flies under most people's radar so we wanted to we wanted to give yeah pick him up a little bit
4: but I mean historically we have ranked WTCC champions very highly and another re-entry is Jose Maria Lopez who was uh, Gary Watkins' top pick from the number 7 Toyota in, in WEC this year he's back on the list for the first time since his World Touring Car Championship days winning the titles was Citroën. And in 2014, he was 18th in our list. So well inside the top 20 for a mm-hmm. WTCC champion. And as Kev said, you know, it is a historically significant championship, even if unfortunately this year it has sort of dwindled away a bit.
0: And the, the, the competitiveness of a championship is important as well. Um, I saw that Ash Sutton didn't make the list this year, one of our dropouts. I've not talked about BTCC. Where do the
3: drivers from that series feature on our list? I haven't looked. Well, Tom's, Tom Ingram is the champion as 47th. And that was a classic case of one of those, oh, if he's too high up, you've really... It was really nipping up between him, Ash Sutton... Jake Hill and actually, to a degree, Colin Turkington. The only reason he missed out was because he had a shocker of a round for reasons out was outside of his control at Silverstone, and they were really nip and tuck in. Marcus Simmons, top ten drivers as well. He really undernerved about it. It wasn't one of those where you go, "Oh, this is an easy order." So uh, you kind of think, well, they either kind of all need to be in there, <laughs> or, or Tom needs to be towards the, towards the back end. And you can't, you know, when we've got the one World Touring Car driver, one. Aussie V8 supercars drive. I don't think you can really justify and we've got of course we've got our own separate list for those you can can look at all dot com, start magazine and find the other nine British touring car drivers that Marcus rated during the season so again it's getting someone that deserves to be represented, the championship deserves representation in the top 50, it was competitive, I think the front guards are really good, they're really clean this idea that British Touring Car drivers just smash into each other is actually really old perception now, we've got a generation of drivers who, who know how to do it, I mean Jake Hill and Tom Ingram ran about three quarters of a lap side by side in the finale when they were going for the, would have been very easy for Tom too have gone in and goodbye, yes. uh, and he didn't. They're respectful, so yeah, I absolutely need to be there. But difficult to for domestic in you know, domestic championships, it's difficult to know. Really, you can't really argue them up too high, I think, because it's a domestic championship. Well, it depends on the strength of domestic championships, well, of course. I mean, yeah. you could argue that NASCAR Cup is a domestic championship, yes. but it, it is the it is the top of that particular tree. Yeah, a lot of American drivers want to go there, and I think that helps explain why America struggles to produce F1 talent. Because they want to go stock car racing, they go to NASCAR, and if they don't do that and go single-seaters as well, why would why would Joseph Newgarden leave Team Penske and a chance to win Indy 500 Indy Car Championship every year and earn lots of money and go and toot mm. to- around in the midfield in an F1 cast? What's the point? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I think we struggle to get Americans onto the grid, although of course we do have one for next year. Logan Sargent didn't make the list either, did he? Mm. So that's another another mention. But will it will he make it next year? We well, you know. Let's talk about that. Actually, the last couple of minutes of the podcast.
0: Uh, let's all get your predictions. Then we can hold you to Ooh. it next year and laugh uh, about who who you think might we see on the list. Oh, this is a new feature. Uh, I, I like know. It, Martin, this is good before, uh, because this year, obviously, obviously no Oscar Piastri on the list this year. But it's an annual list, so drivers like that. No Daniel Ricciardo, but he we, he definitely won't be on the list. But <laughs> Uh, let's look at what drivers you think could make the list and where they could be. Tom, I'll come to you because, you know, Cali, oh, yeah. Cali, Robin amazing year, smashed McRae's record by five years. Was five it? Years yeah, right. Because he was yeah. just twenty-two. Five
3: years in eighty-eight days. He just thinks. Right off the top yeah. of his head. Yeah, yeah. It's Good, work. It. It's good um, work.
0: So he just turned twenty-two when he won it. Does that mean repeat performance could see Robin going for number
2: one? I think yeah, he's going to be hard to beat, isn't he? Like, uh, there's no question about that. Uh, the only, the only sort of sort of question mark is, is just are we going to see Loeb uh, for more rallies next year? And if we do, if we do, that could genuinely be a spanner in his works because if he gets uh, in a car that actually doesn't. Is more reliable, shall we say, and, yeah. and M Sport fixed some of the problems they've got, then he's taking points away from Rovan Perra.
3: So- but conversely, if Rovan Perra then wins the championship against Loeb, a full on, yeah. I mean, okay, still beating a 49 year old, but I mean, yes. it's, it's one of those, he's a bit like Fernando Alonso, catchers, Just they are fre- We've used freaks a lot in this. You yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need to come out, get the thesaurus out. <laughs> Alien. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I think that could actually help Rovan Perra's help argument him. if he then comes out. My, my problem with Rovan Perra is I think it's going to be difficult to climb from there because it's not yeah. really the winning of the multiple championships it's the thing it's how they win that yeah. championship Right. so if OJ and Lowe both kind of get together and go do you know what we need to sort this fit out let's come back and do it properly you go to M Sport I'll go over to Hyundai or yeah. uh, whatever then like yeah game on And if, but if he just ends up beating the same I mean Cherry Neuville will always finish second or third in the championship won't he so that's you, your you start point in the championship table will yeah. you be above or below Neuville yeah. um, I so guess the other, other factor is if Elfin Evans does actually get
2: his head around this car yeah. uh, we know what he can do when he's when he's on it he may he may well challenge Kelly a bit further. So
0: Interesting. Okay. Who
2: might we see on the
0: list going up and uh, added to the list as well uh, next year?
4: I mean, we might see people from the Peugeot sports car project added. I mean, they only sort of came along for the last sort of three rounds of WEC this year. I mean, who who knows? That's the that's the really excite, exciting thing from from my perspective as someone who you know enjoys following sports car racing is that there's all of this newness being thrust into the mix where sort of the only established projects really are the Toyota and the Glickenhaus um, which again is, is sort of behind in its development versus the the Toyota. You've got all of these new manufacturers coming in. We could see somebody from, from Cadillac, you know, somebody like Alex Lynn or a, a leading Peugeot driver, mm. a, a Paul De Resta or um, a Loic Deval making a what, return. What it's, will
0: it take for them to make the list? Because it's going to be
4: very competitive. I mean
3: when nymphs are all wet <laughs> okay well, or, or win lemon <laughs> yeah
4: i mean th- this is the thing isn't it it's that that magic moments element and you know people that that make spectacular passes or or you know in crunch moments make a difference that that changes the outcome of a race um, it, it could make all the difference between them being in the top 50 and and not mm. i mean one important thing that we should stress is that drivers who aren't in the top 50 this year they're not. that's not because they're bad drivers. It's not because we don't rate them. It's not because we don't think they're any good. Any number of drivers that could make this top 50 and ultimately... It is just a bit of fun to to um, to, to put this well, list together and, and and showcase who we think has done well. But that's not to say that we think anyone who's not on the list is is, is you know unworthy of of adulation, frankly. Because you know a, a lot of racing drivers are heroes. You know the guys in the World Rally Championship threading the needle between the trees. You know there's guys that haven't haven't a hope of making the list this year for for various reasons. But you know someone we've not mentioned this so far is Esapekka Lappi coming back in with um, with Toyota this year exchanging the, the, the third car with Augier but just because he's not on the list that doesn't mean that we don't think he's any, any good or, or Alvin Evans or, or any of the others
0: well you're, you're heading off the complaints there because we know that the drivers do read this <laughs> list yeah. and, and some have complained in previous years yeah. or at least Sort clarification
3: Yes You were 51st Is the uh, standard <laughs> So can I do some Quickfire predictions go on, go on. Russell will be higher Because Mercedes Will get their act together And Russell will go toe to toe With Max and lose the championship Oscar Piastri will make it Back into the top 50 yes. Having been a high flying Rising star And then having to sit On the sidelines For a while I'd like to see Johan Christopherson Higher up Because he's another <laughs> Freak of nature As we're yes. using that phrase yep. I think he's amazing He's the king of extreme Even though he didn't With the championship Should have done and he's mega at World Rally costs. he just didn't have enough of an opposition, so that's why he's down in 44th. But I think in ability terms, he's kind of, he's a Van Gisbergen almost, I think. Absolutely. Um, so I'd like to see him doing something that means we can justify pushing him up the list. There will be a sports car drive in the top 10. I'll be absolutely amazed there isn't a, t- a sports car drive in the top 10 uh, next year, unless they all just win a race each. <laughs> and they spread it around and it's difficult to pick one. Sebastian Vettel won't be in it, of course. No, so we can make that prediction. Scott McLaughlin will be higher. Oh yes, That's he a good will jump. definitely We're, be higher. Yeah. Well, do you think we should get on some? Uh, he could win the championship. He actually. could. Could. I think, uh, and then uh, and then it'd be easy to argue him up, up a lot higher. I'm going to um, say it would be in the top twenty at least. And he could make top ten next year. We can have an I
2: argument think, yeah, if about he wins that. the championship.
4: Why not? You've it's also okay. got the the difficult case of will some drivers inevitably be lower because of this change coming so will it mean that we rank GT3 championships lower for example than than hypercar i mean we've got we we've, we've not mentioned him at all so far but we've got Raffaele Marcello in in the top 25 in, in, in 24th place won the GT World Challenge Endurance Cup overall Spa 24 Hours GT Masters you know that's about as good a season as you can get as a GT3 driver but just how high can a GT3 driver okay. go up the list it's, a, it's an open ended question but also LMP2
3: is going to be the I think the series that's going to suffer mm. because actually LMP2 has been where a lot of good drives have been over the last Last few years, we've got a few in the list. Who's the highest one, James? is the highest one of the LMP2 drivers? It's not immediate. Well, Tom Belonkvist, of course, is a DPI driver. And the reason that they will fall down is that all the really good quick sports car endurance drivers will be in a works hypercar.
4: Well, we've got Dries uh, Vantor at 40, to Costa, of course, from, from yeah. LMP2. We've got Albuquerque, who um, split his time between Weck and, and IMSA, and Louis Delatraz at 43, all in quite a tight bunch, actually.
3: So, so the drivers that jump up into a hypercar and do the business will go up the list, and the ones that are still in LMP2 suddenly without the quality to race against will, will probably fall out of the list, because you go, well, you have, you, have, mm. you have not been beating the calibre of drivers that have been there for the last three or five years. I think we should draw a line in the sand. Otherwise, we could
0: continue. We've not talked about everyone
3: on the list. But uh, you
0: can read that list in, like I say, our bumper Christmas and New Year edition of Autosport Magazine. And make sure you check out autosport.com as well. And let us know what you think of the list and uh, and where we got it wrong. I mean, I don't need to invite you to do that, because you will anyway. Uh, you can email Kevin Turner personally on uh, his email address, which I'm sure you can find on the internet, uh, dear Stalker. It's uh,
3: kevin.turner.allsport.com. There you go. But it's please, first But, but it's it'd be nice. I, I, I'm <laughs> quite, happy, quite happy to have a debate and disagreement, but uh, we don't hate it. As, as James has very nicely put, you know, it's, if you're not on the list or your driver isn't on the list... That doesn't mean we don't no. think you're any good. No. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, happy to have a bit of bit of debate. We could even, you know, next year, we can factor in some of these things and say, is there a consistent theme of of, of drivers or t- mm. categories that are regard? I mean, normally it's everyone who isn't a fan of F1 says, you've overrated F1. That, uh, we, that, we get that a yeah. lot. But it, 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 it is the World Championship, right? It is the top of the tree. So yeah. I don't really think we need to... You know, World Rally Championship and Formula One are the pinnacles of their respective branches, aren't they? So Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We'll I wait and really see what it end up
0: next year. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for listening, dear listener, and I hope that gives you an insight into a look behind the curtain of how we put that list together. You can find us on social media and on Facebook, on Twitter, all the usual places over the holiday season. Get in contact. Let us know what you think about the list. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.
3: That's D R I Z L Y dot com and get your favorite drinks delivered today.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: 18 plus.